This is Transistor.fm. This week I got into the meat and potatoes with Mr. Chase Reeves. This is part two of our discussion. We talked about the struggles of building products, especially when you're just starting out and you're trying to figure out which direction to go in, what you're good at, all that kind of initial stuff. Then we got into the actual logistics of how they built Fizzle.co. Let's start things out with our great sponsors. If you're creating an application that needs charts or a dashboard, Fusion Charts is a JavaScript charting solution trusted by developers around the world. And uh, their charts work across all platforms, PCs, Macs, iPads, iPhones. You can download a free trial at FusionCharts.com. And if you are trying to manage the software development process and you've got a team of three more people, try Sprintly, www.sprint.ly. really brings a lot of transparency to the development process. You and your team can try Sprintly for free by going to www.sprint.ly. And then when you want to sign up for a billing plan, use the product code PRODUCTPEOPLETV2013. That'll get you 10% off. Now let's get back to my discussion with Chase. Well, you know, you brought up something that I wanted to talk about anyway, which is because you you mentioned that you just had a kid and you were out, you know, looking for work and stuff like that. And I I wanted to talk a little bit about the struggle, you know, that that struggle in the beginning, um, you know, whether you're like if you're unemployed and you have, you know, a wife and kid at home. Uh, there's a struggle of, I, I got to get work. I got to get, you know, I got to get some income in here. Yeah. And it's kind of like that when you start, when you start a business, yeah. like at the beginning, um, you know, I, I interview a lot of people and I talk to a lot of people and it seems like some of those folks with a lot of experience that have been doing this for years and years and years, mm-hmm. they've either forgotten about the struggle or maybe they didn't have it because they were young and they had no expenses. But you know, you've, Got a wife and a kid at the house. You got to pay for those gluten-free crackers that you keep mm-hmm. talking about. You know. Yeah. So tell me about that. Tell me about your building fizzle right now. What's that like? Like, did you guys start from zero dollars a month and you're just kind of building it up from there? Yeah. So, well, I see two things here. Um, first of all, is when I was like like a few years ago when I was young and trying to figure this out. And then there's the, the what you just said with the fizzle building. What was it like to, to, to build that up or what is it like right now? So I'm, I'll, I'll address both of these, uh, one after the, the other. <laughs> okay. Um, so the, first of all, I mean, going back a few years to, to watch myself try to figure out who I am and what I'm here for, like I feel for that guy. I really do. Like this is part of the reason why I love the work that I do so much is because I've discovered so much about myself through it. I mean, what what Jesus? What I was trying to discover in the Jesus stuff was the same thing. Who am I? What am I here for? And I got a lot of a lot, got a lot of it there. Same thing with you know the Enneagram and Myers Briggs and stuff like that, right? Mm-hmm. I've always been kind of hungry for that stuff, um, looking for insights about me because I always just kind of I, don't know, I felt like I didn't really know who I was. I didn't, or when I'd say something that felt like me, or maybe I felt said too many things that I didn't know if it was me or not, right? Yeah. I feel like for an upper middle class Bay Area kid growing up here, it's like that's what the struggle is. And half the time you just like miss, 
you just stop asking the question because drugs are so fun. Other <laughs> times you're just like stop asking the question because like so clearly this this is the path that's set out for me to become a, an investment banker. Yeah, you know? yeah. Can I just um, stop you there? Because I yeah. think I can identify with that feeling. I think a lot of people feel like that in this space. Like this kind of space where people are, you know, telling people how they can run a business or how they can build a product, or how, and there's always kind of like this, this uh, carrot that they hold out in front of you. I don't know if it's a carrot, but this idea that, uh, you know, if you truly knew yourself, or if you knew the secret about yourself, that's it. If you knew yeah. the secret about yourself, you'd be able to, you know, kind of fully realize all this stuff. Or you're just yeah. you're just missing this one piece, and that stuff always drove me crazy. Yeah, totally. Because I never knew if I, like, it, it just gives you so much doubt of, like, do well, do I know myself? Like, if yeah. I know my Myers-Briggs score, will that help me get a better job? If I, you know, do the Colby? Will, so h- how did you kind of reconcile all that? So I guess I could, I could tell this story. Are you okay with it? Yeah, definitely. Okay, so I was, uh, it was, it was a rainy, whoosh, this is thunder and lightning. Whoosh, it was a rainy, cold day in Portland, Oregon. <laughs> There was a young man with a large nose and a parka on walking his son to the park. <laughs> and so we, it was sort of drizzly and poor, and it was gray and dismal. I had been listening to some interview, uh, let's say for the sake of argument, it was your interview with Jason Calcanis um, or something. I can't remember what I was listening Oh, no, it was an interview with Jason Freed, and he talked about how the first thing he does every morning is he wakes up and he looks at that sales dashboard, and he wants to see which way the needle moved. And, and I was... Like, it kind of stuck with me. And then the next day, I'm taking my kid to the park, and I am just in full-on existential crisis mode, right? So what? Are the, so I'm walking into the park just around the corner from our house. We walk there. He, I try to kind of get him to go play by himself, and I fire up Evernote, and I start recording a voice note. And in the background throughout this note, you can hear my son like, Daddy, come play with me. And I'm like, <laughs> hold on, Daddy's working. <laughs> so, and I just start like, I was like, what the fuck is the point? Why am I working so fucking hard? Why would I try so hard if when I get to the top of the mountain, the first thing I do when I wake up is look at a sales dashboard? Hmm. Like why on earth am I working so hard? Why wouldn't I just become a janitor, literally clean up other people's shit for a living, get my two weeks uh, a year, you know, spend some time with my family, try some interesting drugs, you know, get <laughs> like super into vinyl or some shit, like play in a, in a super like le- like just – De- super decent blues band or something like that. Um, like, I like this janitor narrative, right? Like I could, like yeah, I could really go like for the Portland dream. Yeah, and yeah. I could do that. Why would I try so hard to make something if this is what waits? This is what it looks because, like, up to then it was like, okay, I want to be successful. I want to be successful. I want to be successful. Never once thinking about what do I mean by successful. Don't worry. Don't worry about what that means. Like, let's just keep heading up this mountain because we got to work hard. We got to do the thing, and this mm-hmm. feels good, and yada yada yada. Um, and then I saw this picture, uh, and, and this is a reductionistic, reductionistic picture of what Jason Freed uh, looks like at the top of the mountain, so to speak. But I saw him as a guy who's like really done the thing, like built a business he's proud of. He's continued to sustain it. He's done. I, I like a lot of this, right? We all do, right? They're mm-hmm. the love child of, of every single person who's trying to build their own thing. Yeah. But then I and and, and so I saw that. I was in this moment 
my son's in the background, daddy play with me. I'm recording in the Evernote, like having an existential crisis. And I'm like, so what the fuck is the point? And okay, this is going to get, this is where it gets weird. All right. As if it wasn't weird before, but I was like, all right, what do we know about humanity? Cause I, up to now, like I had been like a total Jesus guy. That framework got totally ripped out from underneath me. And now I'm on my own. I don't get to just pray for my brother. I have to get involved. Mm-hmm. Um, not my brother, meaning like, Hey brother, but like my actual brother, my biological brother. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, I my life my life is in my hands. I have full autonomy. I have full uh, authorship of what we do with this from here on out. Like, so what do I want? Is the question. Mm-hmm. So I say, where where are we going? Where's humanity going? We're going to space. Humanity is in you know a million years going to be like you know populating the universe or whatever, right? Because yeah. this is all the movies and books that I read. But uh, what role do I possibly get to play in that? Like, not, I don't get to play. I'm not a physics guy. I can't create some. I'm not. I'm not going to create some fucking rocket or some shit. I'm not. I don't have an electric car company, right? Yeah. So what can I do? I'm just a guy who could be in a pretty decent blues band, you know. <laughs> so the thing I landed on was, I can help. I can make people's lives better in small and meaningful ways. How can I do that? Well, I'm getting pretty into weightlifting right now. I really like that. It makes me feel like I'm not a piece of shit. It makes me feel like I'm not a piece of glass. It's really made me like had serious changes in how I look at myself and, and how I live my life. So there's that. There's that fitness angle, right? Yeah. And then I was like, you know, there's this entrepreneurial angle. Like I love the autonomy, the creativity, the creativity better than feeling than like being like all in. Um, <laughs> God, I love where this is going. Um, <laughs> But I love that about entrepreneurialism. And I see it as a story that exists in humanity since the dawn of time. We've made, since we were making our first tools however many millions of years ago. You know, this creation, this working with our world and creating and discovering bits of ourselves and how to do things better and all this other stuff. And then it's like creation and connection is what I think. Then you make the thing, you, you ship, you go, you go and fish, you have this fish, and then you either go to the market or you realize like your next door neighbor has a bunch of sheep or whatever. You're like, I'll give you 20 fish for a sheep, right? This is business. This is humanity. Yeah. Um, so I saw this as an essential human story. I saw the autonomy, the creativity, the independence that, that comes with it. And these are all personal development themes that I've always been interested in. Um, and I was like, fuck it. Let's do that. Let's make people's lives small. Let's make, make, make small people's lives better in small and meaningful ways through the lens of entrepreneurship. And so that's what started me. It, this is when we were actually creating Fizzle at the time. Um, this is way when we were kind of concepting it. And yeah. I was so all this stuff was deep within me. And I was like, OK, this is the rest of my fucking life. I am going to serve people who want to build their own thing. And I am not the I am not the expert. I'm not Paul Graham. I'm not Brad Feld. I'm not Seth, Seth Godin. I'm not these guys I look up to and I like, you know, cherish every one of their morsels that they that they that they let drip from their plate, you know. Yeah. But I can pay attention to them and I can pay attention to as many entrepreneurs as I can over the next 15 years. So that by the time I'm 50, like I have got some serious things to say about this and specifically what it's like to be an entrepreneur the the personal journey the the uh, of being an entrepreneur this to me is probably at least now where i'm most interested in mm-hmm. so how that's you, my whirlwind story yeah so how do you so there's kind of the the existential purpose that's your yeah. that's your mission yeah and how do you balance that with this need to make a dollar right 
Right? That's a question, Justin. <laughs> I was gonna ask you the same freaking thing. Um, I don't know. You gotta. You just like where? Where do you have the opportunity to make a dollar? Can you try that there? Right. So we had this big audience at Think Traffic, and we had these. Like, we had Corbett and myself and Caleb, and we knew how to make content, quote unquote. I hate that word, but I have to use it for some reason. I can't find a better one than than content. I'm a content creator. Yeah, it's fine. You know, let's just take it back. Whatever. Yeah, exactly. It's but fine. We, it's a good word. We know how to make this stuff. Um, I like that. Yeah, let's reclaim content. Yeah. Uh, that's good. <laughs> it's it's kind of like a there, – there's a hipsterism or a, I don't – this kind of like, oh, I don't like that word content or I don't yeah. like that word. Well, who gives a shit? It's, yeah. it's a word. <laughs> there was <laughs> someone at XOXO. Uh, I can't remember exactly who it was, but he he's, he talked about that a bit. I th- Oh, it was Jack Conti of, uh, of Pumplemousse. He had a great talk. I can't wait till those XOXO videos go live. It was insane. But Anyway, so talk- you guys are good at content. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Uh, we know how to do a lot of this stuff, right? We know how to build an audience. We know how to create it. We have a big audience. Um, we, we see this need. We know how to create something valuable for these people, right? Do something that, that helps people in small and meaningful ways. So let's roll this into uh, – we, we've already sold several products before in our history. Let's make one that, that kind of rules them all. Let's make the lynda.com of starting your own thing, specifically right now your own online business because mm-hmm. that's what we know really, really well, probably as good as anybody else out there. So, um, so that's, what we, uh, that's what we did in Fizzle. That's the, the sort of the issue that we're tackling, the problem that we're solving, because, you know, it's, it is for these reasons, right? These all, this is my freaking story, and that's why I care so much about the people who are in Fizzle because they're on the same journey, and not all of them are going to be successful, and not all of them are supposed to do this for a living, right? But they all deserve to be sort of, you know, creatively fulfilled and building something that they care about versus having their soul sucked away one day at a time, you know? Mm-hmm. And and let's talk about but let's talk about the actual logistics. Mm. So like um like when you guys are you just had your one year anniversary. Yeah. So that first year, you must be thinking like like, did you have a number that you guys were going for? You know, Corbett has numbers. Uh, we do have we have some number, um, and I'm not even exactly sure what it is. We have uh, about 760 members or 750 members right now, something like that. I haven't checked today because I didn't wake up this morning and look at my sales dashboard. But we have <laughs> 750 sales uh, or you know paying members, uh, and that's only growing. You know, it's growing bit by bit, and 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 we have the conversations about how do we grow this more, how do we make it sustainable, do we get into advertisement, do we do this that and the other. But suffice it to say, like our our monthly nuts are are, are covered. You know? Okay, and what um, at what point did your did your nut, so to speak, get like what when was were you covered? Did did that happen fairly soon after you launched? Well, um, yeah, yes and no. Um, yeah, it kind of did. Well, so we started. We have a big audience at Think Traffic. We launched into them with an email that's saying like, "Hey, we're going to let 150 people into this alpha thing of this new thing we're making. It's 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 brand new. There's sawdust all over the floor. You might cut yourself on some broken glass. We're still cleaning things up, right? Yeah. But you'll have you'll get in at this at this lower price, and you'll get uh, you'll get everything sort of for life at this price, yeah. right? So we did that. Got 150 people in. Sold it out in a in a, just about two hours, uh, which I was just like, no way, right? Yeah, that's no, amazing. This, the first launch I've ever been a part of like that. But out of how many people on the list? Uh, there were uh, – good question. I always say 50,000, but I think it's more like 45, okay. uh, something like that. So, or 30, something. I don't know. A lot. 
you know, yeah. more, like it took it took several years for Corbett to build that up, and not all of the you know the open rate is what you know twenty percent on something like that when you send an email out to yeah. forty thousand people. So, um, so it was good though. You know, mm-hmm. we, okay, clearly one hundred fifty people right off the bat, a couple hours, do that, spend a month hearing from them, trying to make it better, doing the lean startup thing, right? Uh, launch beta, another one hundred fifty in, sells out in uh, I think it was like three or four hours. Um, then another month or two of, of getting the product better, writing more, more courses, getting more education in there. Um, kind of luckily the best people we could possibly have gotten got into it. So like, part of me feels like, well, we've made a really great product in Fizzle. Part of me is like, I have nothing to do with it because so much of what makes Fizzle great. I think our training is sensational, right? Mm -hmm. But then the other 50% of this thing is the community. And it's yeah. the kind of person that's joined, and it's the kinds of interactions you get with people on the site, right? This whole communal aspect of it. Yeah. And they just fucking they set up such an amazing. I think something about the way we marketed it, something about our personalities, how it was very honesty, sort of rawness driven, uh, very vulnerable language. It was just very personal. That attracted a certain kind of person, and they have absolutely shaped the the way the community looks. Um, and, and subsequently, what it feels like for someone to join up right now. Mm-hmm. It feels like a very welcoming experience as opposed to uh, like, oh, yeah, what have you made? Oh, yeah, hey, I'm here to learn how to get some SEO tactics. Uh, I've got a, a couple of niche sites that uh, like to take advantage of old people that can't see very well. So, uh, you know, whatever. Um, so uh, am I getting anywhere near your question here? Yeah, yeah. And, and I think, you know, like – I'm wondering how much do you worry about money now? I we do. We I mean, so we have some. So there's a there's a product that Corbett created a, a while ago called Start a Blog That Matters. It's a ninety nine dollar thing. That's a thirteen week course on blogging, like how to start up your blog and actually get it to some notoriety and and, and make your like sort of minimum viable audience, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, and how to build it from the start really well, so that you're not like you don't end up shooting yourself in the foot accidentally and you realize it two years later. Hmm. Um, so that sells, that sells quite a bit and we have, you know, a good affiliate program with that. So a lot of people are, 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 you know, promoting that we get a lot of traffic to that site and it sells quite a bit. Um, but that's not where we want to be heading so much as we want to be heading towards this fizzle direction. We don't want to be heading towards the internet marketing direction. We want to be heading towards, you know, not that douchey sort of, vibe that mm-hmm. we all kind of sense but like the best of that plus this uh, the ability for someone to to sort of find creative fulfillment and make a buck doing it maybe it's not supporting you and your family but but it's certainly helping you buy some beer every month you know mm-hmm. um so heading more in that route than how do i craft a killer headline or how do i you know seo tactics to make even the poorest person wealthy you know yeah. or whatever the aladdin fucking rags to riches story of an internet marketer um so, so and did Corbett like was he just willing to share that with you as a partner? Like yeah, well, so that that it took a long time, right? So we started. I was just working on. We did the we did the website on Think Traffic. That was just a contract, and mm-hmm. then we did the beginnings of Fizzle. That was just a contract, and then that that was a contract for a partnership on Fizzle. And then subsequently, after uh, you know six months of that, it was like okay, we're gonna go all in on this whole thing. So he had other other things making revenue outside of Fizzle. I was just a part of Fizzle at that time. Then the bigger partnership for the the whole kit and caboodle. Um, mm-hmm. And what I was getting into the, those products about for was that these things are making revenue, and we have like 
big decisions to make about if we stop offering that or offer that in a different way or bring that within fizzle or do other things that might jeopardize those, you know, four or $6,000 a month that we're getting from those things that are like really helpful for me who lives in the Bay area paying mm-hmm. like almost more than that for my rent, you know? Yeah. So, um, and not to mention, I have to buy these gluten-free crackers for my kid, you yeah. know? So, um, those are really big revenue questions and long-term brand questions and story of like creating a movement uh, that's worthwhile because that's kind of that's sort of where I live. I live on making something feel really great because it's capital T true. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't live really well in how to maximize revenue out of this thing or how to this that and the other. I can make something feel like it has a lot of momentum and if it has that potential for that momentum, you know, but to try to optimize for growth, like this is where things start just going in one ear and out the other, you know, and, and really it sounds like you're, you're just, you, you have a lot of trust in Corbett to uh, be thinking in those kind of places, right? I absolutely do. He's daddy. I'm mommy. Caleb's the, Caleb's the kid. Um, (laughs) But yeah, I really do. He, he's, he's great at this stuff. His ass is on the line as well. Um, And so we're both very much in it together, and frankly, he's just been really – he was really gracious, took a chance on me to develop his website after I hadn't done very much work for a long time, and that ended up being a massively successful redesign. He loved it, and he loved working with me, and he loved what I could bring to the table because I am just that golden retriever type. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm not going to be able to contribute to the monthly revenue uh, spreadsheets the yeah. way that I am, you know, able to just throw together a homepage that, that sells out in, a, in an hour and a half, you know? Yeah. And what are some other things? Because now you're interacting with a lot of people that are starting. Yeah. And um, like I alluded to before, you know, people that have been doing this for years and they've already kind of covered their net, as as you say. Yeah. They're not worried about that anymore. It's like out of their mind. Like they don't even think about that. But for those people starting out, what's kind of the common struggle, struggle that you've seen and how, like, how have you helped people get over that? Well, Right now, we're in the middle of a, of a couple uh, courses that we're writing. One of them is on like the these in, they're these intro courses to fizzle. One of them's on the business, and one of them's on the entrepreneur. And I think we hear a lot about the business. We can go look at business model generation or lean canvas or things like that. We don't hear a lot about the entrepreneur and what it's like to do this. Why so many burn out? Why so many businesses? Why why so many founders end up quitting? Yeah, right? exactly. Um, and in that course, which is sort of my wheelhouse, I, I'm talking a, a I get into to a lot of things that I'm, you know, passionate about, but but basically, summed up, it's about setting the right expectations about how long this is going to take and how much work it's going to be. Hmm. Um, you know, meaning you you can absolutely be have a successful business in ten years, no no doubt about it. You can do that. You can do that if you start right now, paying attention and learning and, and persevering. You know, mm-hmm. you can make something that somebody wants. In, you can have a really successful business doing that, uh, making that thing and selling to them in 10 years. So the challenge typically becomes because we don't know, founders don't know, or hopeful founders don't know, they are expecting this to happen within the next year. And yeah. they should be thinking about it over four years, probably. Yeah. Um, and then also, like, there's this real rush and a, a kind of, a, it's kind of hip to talk about quitting your job right now. Um, and I love telling people they should be an apprentice under someone for a while. Find someone who's doing something you, you're interested in and work for them, whether or not they can pay you. You know, uh, Let that be your side business for a year. Learn as much as you can. Caleb did this with Corbett 
Um, and now he knows exactly what it's like to run a large site, to create a product and launch it, to do all of this stuff, right? Be- mm-hmm. Because he's seen behind the scenes of all of that, and he's been wildly helpful to Corbett through through that. Caleb's been with Corbett longer than I have. So um, so the, the apprentice thing, being able to find someone that, that you like what they're doing and buy them coffee and hang around like Bob from, the, from Mad Men, yeah. um, you know? Being around them, being helpful to them, whether or not you can make any money doing it, because you look at this over the next 10 years and you see that as a valuable lesson to learn right Mm -hmm. now. You know, so Brad Feld always talks about a long, he says it's really hard for a 22-year-old to look at the next 22 years of his career with any sort of perspective, but that's what you have to do. It's a long-term view with many short cycles. Um, And if you can look at the next 20 years and segment that into like two-year sprints, and then ask yourself, okay, so what do I need to do this month? Mm-hmm. You know, reverse engineer from I'm going to have a successful business in five years where I'm just making my, you know, 6000 a, mo- a month to keep my head alive. So what, that means, like, how do I reverse engineer from there and give myself that time? Now, for me, that I'm really sensitive to this because I put, you, I've been in that mode where I'm putting so much pressure on myself that I can't even fart a creative fart, you know? <laughs> You're just you're in fight or flight mode, and you're not in creative mode. Yeah, um, where you need to be in, you you need to be able to have that kind of patience and that kind of the ability to network and to and to launch something into a network versus launching something uh, into oblivion. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. you know. So all of that stuff is what I would wrap up as my answer to like the just starting out struggles. Mm-hmm. Um, they're really self-created struggles about how long this should take. And, and you have all these worries and pressures about, I'm not making money yet. What's well, like, you, that's fine. Make a, make like, are, have you found out something that people want? Have you made an audience that might want that thing? Have you figured out something about yourself that you're not going to burn out if you spend the next two years making this thing, let alone the next 15, right? Have you, can you take some of these excursions to figure out what it's like to be the person who's writing about X versus Y versus Z, let alone try to figure out a little audience from that, a minimum viable audience so that you can launch a $1 product into to see if anybody there is willing to pay for a thing if they have money. And if they can afford this kind of relationship, right? Yeah. Am I talking to the air here, people? Yeah. Or am I, what's happening? No, that I think that's exactly it. That idea of um, there's two things there. I think, well, actually, there's three things. One is that there are there are a lot of us in um, in uh, how can I say this uh, desperation mode. So yeah. like, you need to make enough money just to meet your basic needs. And uh, if you're in that place, you've, <laughs> you've got to take care of that however you can, right? Like there, yeah. the, I think that's one thing you, you, you hit the nail on the head. Like a lot of people feel like, well, I'll just quit my job and I'm going to start this thing and I'm going to make a lot of money and I'll be able to, you know, uh, I'll live off credit cards for a couple months and then I'll be able to pay my bills. Yeah, totally. And that could be true, but that I think you're going to, uh, I love <laughs> yeah, that that imagery of like not being creative. It's very hard to be creative when you're in desperation, when you don't know yeah. if you're going to make rent. So I, I think that's the first thing is like you need to take care of your needs somehow. Uh, the second thing is like kind of going from that point, like like you said, like what are my needs? And then working back from there and saying, okay, well, if my needs are – you know, whatever it is, if it's 50,000 a year or a hundred thousand a year, whatever it is working back and saying, well, what would I, what would it take to get there reasonably? Right. Mm -hmm. And then kind of working back, 
uh, like you said, and then you you actually have a timeline. Like then you yeah. have well, based on you know my limited experience, and and you know you might put the timeline out further if you've never sold a product in your life. If you've sold something before and you know what it takes, you might be able to have more precision, right? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, and then the last thing you mentioned that, that I thought was so good is like starting small. Like I I, I talk to a lot of people and I, I think people have great ideas and they've worked on projects. But until you've until you've sold that first thing um, on the internet to a stranger for a dollar, it you kind of don't know what to expect. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and and people they want to you know they want to sprint before they've walked um and i think that can be hard like i i just i see a lot of people that are building these huge complex systems and it's like and i think partly because you know like a lot of us kind of get maybe i don't know ashamed about that stuff but like you know i I sold a pdf for five bucks and and because it goes into that like you said that kind of douchey internet marketing stuff yeah but the point the truth is like you need to start somewhere, and I love going back and like looking at uh, like old posts by like Marco Arment and like Jason. Yeah. Free. Like it's so uh, it's refreshing because you read those things and you go like, "Oh man, they've really developed quite a bit, right?" Yeah, <laughs> totally, totally. And you can go back and you can look at like the first products they released or whatever. And the truth is, is that you know, like Jason Freed had shitty little database software for managing tapes and then like 37 signals first product no one, a lot of people don't know this their first product was a pdf that they sold for 75 bucks about what was it, it was like they just analyzed the best e-commerce sites on the web like that sounds so douchey right like yeah <laughs> like who who'd have thought but they had to start somewhere and uh, i think what you were mentioning there like this idea of just build something small release that You've got to start somewhere. So in, while you're kind of working up to your four-year plan or whatever, just keep releasing small little things, trying to, you know, try to make a dollar first from one person and then move on to, you know, making $10 from 10 And then there's kind of like this ladder. Yeah. I, no, absolutely. I mean, once you, like you said, once you, sell, once you make your first buck from someone you don't know online, that's when it's just like, Oh, okay. So like in Fizzle, we're building in these like revenue excursions where, where you do this. It's a 30-day product where you're, you're going to tr- break this seal because once you do it once, you know just about everything you need to to mm-hmm. do it better next time, which will teach you everything you need to, to know to do it better the next time. But really getting the technology and the sales page and the things in order just to do it that first time, you learn so damn much. And it changes the way you approach the work. It changes the way you approach your audience. It changes the, the kinds of thoughts that you have about what you should do with these two hours on a Tuesday morning or something like that, right? Yeah. Um, and I, that's, that to me is what's so exciting. You know, and, and I don't know. Like you said, like, like I love I love hearing that about the thirty seven signals the uh, the fact that their first thing was was totally douchey sounding yeah right it's like I was just at XOXO and I feel like a an imposter there I would or I would I did last year a little bit more because I'm essentially a marketing guy who's who's learning how to make something instead of sell something um, and, and it just felt like 
God, I want to be in with this crowd, but they are actually making things. Like they're the nerds who don't think about money versus, uh, and I'm making this parable up in my head, like about them. That isn't true. The whole thing is about how to do something you love and make money. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. So uh, the truth is, is that is that money is just as, as essential. It's just an essential part of the thing. We have to be thinking in those terms and we have to be willing to put things out there. And people are sensitive to whether or not you're in on this thing or not. You know, whether or not this is a douchey. I had that. We have one episode of the podcast where uh, we try to figure, we, we just like talk about like, what is it? What is this douchey thing uh, uh, that like, how do we not do that? And one of the hardest things about it was like, how do we define douchey? Because uh, what I realized is everybody's a douchebag to somebody. Yeah. Justin, you look like a douchebag to some someone else. Like when I went on uh, on to uh, some site looking at like what does douchebag mean? Like it looked like they were talking about people who wear affliction shirts. And when I think of a douchebag, <laughs> I think of people like in the marina in the city who are like, uh, I don't know, like like they're wearing they're wearing topsiders because they saw them in a magazine or something like that. Yeah. I don't know. There was there's like a money thing there, and there's a there's something like that. But really, what it comes down to, I think, first of all, every everybody's a douchebag to somebody. You don't get to put something online without someone being able to say, "What a douche!" Yeah. Right? That's just going to happen. Welcome to YouTube commenting. Yeah. Second yeah. of all, <laughs> I think what's essential to douchebaggery is a sense of I will. I have no problems stabbing you in the back. To, to to sort of climb up over you. Yeah. And and it's this veneer of kindness and of service on the front that ends up being not not malicious, uh, not like these people hate humanity, but just that like they're not they're not really interested in me or what I'm doing or, or in their customers. They're interested in making their nut. Why? Because so they could buy their kid gluten-free crackers. Yeah. Or so they can fund the lifestyle that they want to live. There's not these are fine things. I'm going I'm trying to get this same shit. Right, yeah. so it's like it, even even when you are a douchebag, you're not actually all that bad, you know. You're yeah. just selling a PDF about the most common e- e-commerce thing, <laughs> you know. You're just trying to buy gluten-free crackers for your kid. Yeah, but dude, I don't know. For us, for creative types, for uh, designery types, uh, for myself, I'm just so sensitive to that identity stuff. Mm-hmm. It's always been an insecurity that. Uh, it works against me. It works for me when I'm making the sales page and writing the copy and doing the thing that makes it feel cool and not lame. It makes mm-hmm. it feel desirable and not undesirable. But it works against me when I'm constantly judging my, myself and second-guessing every decision I'm making because and asking you, hey, if Merlin Mann saw this, would he think I was a douchebag? Oh, uh, I don't know. Uh, you know, it's yeah. like... I gotta get. I gotta give up on that. I gotta move on. I gotta be my own man somehow. And that's just, frankly, it's a hard... It's a hard journey. It's a hard thing to try to do. Yeah. Well, I think, and maybe we'll just close with this. I, I think, like, that's where having, maybe starting small and starting now, uh, that's where it comes in handy. Because now, instead of you worrying about what the industry thinks or what the web thinks or what your heroes think, all you're thinking about is, well, what do these people who are on my mailing list or who have signed up to receive my product or what have you, what do they think? Yeah. And, um, you know, and you might release, like, first product syndrome. Like, it's okay to release something and to charge people for it and then to, for it to not be that good. Like, I yeah. think we need to release people and say, it's okay. Like, it, yeah. you might release something. and Ooh, might... that release people. Did you have any Pentecostal background? <laughs> <laughs> but, but the idea of, like, just allowing them to do that and fail and get, you know, 
everyone asks for their money back. That's fine. No, totally, totally. But, and, and and half of the freedom of that is just saying like, okay, make it a dollar. Yeah, make it one dollar. Because you could put, you could shit on a plate and charge a dollar for it. You probably wouldn't feel that bad because it's a dollar. <laughs> exactly. You know what I mean? Exactly. But now when you get to your stage and you got 150 people that sign up for Fizzle and you kind of have that feeling like, am I a douchebag or am I, am I an imposter or whatever? And then, um, and it takes a little bit for me anyway, because I'm pretty self-focused a lot of the time. It takes quite a bit for me to get out of that mode and to focus on the other people. Yeah. But when I do that, and like let's say I created something that was focused on other people, and I release it to them, and then they come back and say, like, honestly, that was really helpful. Yeah. Then uh, all those kind of thoughts of like douchebaggery and all that stuff, they're gone. Because totally. you know you've made a difference. Because you get down to the smallness, the, huma- the human on the other side of the screen. You know, you've, you've made a small and meaningful You've been a small and meaningful help to someone, yeah. you know, and that that you're exactly right. That when you come down to the human level and realize, I wrote a post recently on Ice of the Brim called the Third Tier, and it's about you know I could try to be Merlin Mann's friend, I could try to get these people to like me, but really I'm on the third tier. They're on the first tier. There's some cool people in the second tier too. But what I've learned is is if we go all in on the third tier on just the humans that are around us doing regular fucking life shit, right? Mm-hmm. Trying to, they're in the same boat. They're trying to make interesting things. Some of them are further along than others. Some of them are more talented than others. But just like, wow, like this is this is we're all in this together. We're all lonely people who are looking for connection at the end of the world. You know, like this is this is it, and we can go all in on one another. Or I could spend the next two hours hanging around the outskirts of a crowd that's gathered around John Gruber. You know, exactly. That's great, Chase. Let's leave it there. You folks can follow Chase on Twitter. He's Chase underscore Reeves. He's the guy holding the pineapple. Uh, you can also find him on Ice to the Brim, right? That's right. You've got it. And Fizzle.co. And is that where your podcast is as well? Um, yeah, So, or, or you can go to FizzleShow.co. Um, that is the podcast. Right on. And definitely uh, at reply at Chase underscore Reeves and thank him for being on the show. You can follow me on Twitter at MIJustin. And we will see you all next week. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks so much for listening. Please go out and check out our sponsors, Sprintly, www.sprint.ly, and Fusion Charts, fusioncharts.com. Come back next week where I'm going to be talking to Ruben Gomez of BidSketch. Ruben is super smart and has a lot of really practical application stuff that you can use when you're starting your product business. I call him the next Rob Walling. You're going to really like it. I'll see you next week. Podcast hosting is provided by Transistor.fm. They host our MP3 files, generate our RSS feed, provide us with analytics, and help us distribute the show to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. If you want to start your own podcast or you want to switch to Transistor, go to Transistor.fm slash Justin and get 15% off your first year.